Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Last week we started looking at the whole issue of what are the marks of a genuine Christian. This was an issue for the Apostle John because in his day there were lots of people going around saying that they were a believer in Jesus Christ, they were a Christian, but their actions didn't back up what they were saying or professing. And we talked about that last week a little bit about that if you're going to say that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Words are not enough. It needs to be reflected in your actions. It needs to come out of your heart, through your actions, and then others will see it. Just simply saying you love Jesus, but you continue doing things the way everybody else does them, is not a true sign of a genuine believer or genuine faith. John's going to continue on today and talk about the next mark or the next evidence concerning whether or not we have genuine faith. And really, it's an issue that really lies at the heart of what we believe. We're actually celebrating it this year, Christmas. At the heart of Christmas is the issue that we're going to talk about today, love. Christmas exists, the fact that Jesus would come as a babe in the manger is because God loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that we might have what? Eternal life. So the mark that we're going to look at today is the issue of love, but not just any love, the fact that we love each other. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we know that our faith is genuine? We just need to simply look at whether or not we love each other. So I want you to notice with me chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. For we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love. We're going to see that the next genuine test of our faith is the issue of love. Simply just saying, you love Jesus, is not enough. Just simply saying that you prayed a prayer so many years ago is not enough. 
Now you're saying, are you saying I've got to do something for my salvation? No. But your salvation then is reflected in right actions and right attitudes. That's what he's saying. And so what we're going to see today is that it's going to be reflected in the attitude of love. So let's notice, first of all, the exhortation in verse 11. He's going to tell us a couple things here in verse 11 that helps us to put everything in perspective as we look at this issue of testing our faith. First of all, we are to love each other. We are to love each other. What's he talking about here? John is speaking primarily of you and I loving our Christian brother or sister. John is saying to you and I, let's, how, let's put in an application right here for this church, right here in this community. He's saying to you and I in this room that we are to love each other in this room. The expression of what he's talking about is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to love each other. Now, what does that word love mean? Well, there's three types of love that we can see. One type is sexual. The other type is a brotherly or friendship type of love. And the third type is an undeserving love. Loving someone or something that doesn't deserve it. The first two are natural. Sexual love and brotherly love or friendship love is natural. That, that comes easy for us to do. The third type, which is an undeserving love, is actually the hardest for us to do. That's what John's talking about here. John's talking to you and I about loving each other undeservingly. So that means that John's calling me to love you warts and all. John's calling me to love you with your bad habits and everything. John's calling you to love me with my problems too. You know, what we do is we judge each other on the basis of our things and we'll say, well, that person deserved love or that person doesn't deserve love and that's how we love. But what John's calling us to is to a higher, a different standard of love. A love where we love people even though they don't deserve to be loved. And he says for you and I that we're to love each other that way. Even when we don't deserve it. Even when we don't deserve it. And so then he brings up the next point. And the next point I want you to see is, is that as you try to let that sink into your life for a moment, because, boy, George is asking me to love that person. Hey, it's not me asking you to do it. It's the message from the beginning. What's he talking about here? He's saying that it is at the heart of the Christian message. It's at the heart of the Christian message. Think about it. At the heart of what we believe, at the heart of the message that led you to salvation, is the message of undeserved love. First of all, undeserved love on the part of God towards you by sending His Son to die for you. Because the reality is you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Not a one of us here could say that we deserve that kind of love from God, could we? And so at the heart of the message is undeserved love. And you've heard it from the beginning. Notice what he says. By this shall they know that you are my disciples. What? That you love, again, same type of love, undeserved love, that you undeservedly love, what? Each other. The evidence of Christian 
faith in our life is loving the brother even when the brother doesn't deserve it. And that's been at the heart of the Christian message from the beginning. At the heart of the Christian message from the beginning. So that's the exhortation. So let's flesh it out here. So he's going to tell us, first of all, the wrong expression of love. We see that in verse 12 through 15. Notice with me what he says. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. For we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. But he who does not love his brother abides in death. Several things I want you to see here. First of all, it's this. The lack of love results in tragedy. The lack of love results in tragedy. He uses the illustration of Cain from the very beginning in the garden, the very first offspring of Adam and Eve. Two brothers. One brother, the oldest, takes the life of the younger. Why? John wants us to understand the point here is that there was a lack of love. And that lack of love resulted in tragedy. You know, if you've been around church a long time, and you've been in different churches and stuff, you maybe have been involved or seen where conflict arises in a church. If you were to think for a moment of the conflicts that you have been involved with or have witnessed in the church, probably at the heart of it was a lack of love. A lack of taking seriously the commandment of God to undeservedly love each other. And so even as this, John's saying to us that we're to love each other. This is the message. Not to be like Cain. Not to be like Cain where we express a lack of love because that lack of love, what, then results in tragedy. Now, here's what he's saying here. As we consider that wrong expression... He says that it results from something. He tells us in verse 12 that it results from resentment. That lack of love results from resentment. Cain resented his brother Abel. Why? Because Cain's actions were evil. Abel's actions were righteous. And because of that, he killed his brother. See, a lack of love results from resentment. We maybe resent someone because they're getting something that we don't, we're not getting. We maybe resent our siblings or our spouse or whatever because of something that was, you know, that has happened. Resentment springs up. Resentment arises up in our heart and it snatches away the love that's there. It's real easy to be resentful, isn't it? It's real easy. You don't have to wake up and say, I'm going to be resentful today. I wonder how that's going to happen. It just comes on slowly but surely and immediately. And then before you know it, you're resenting someone. You're no longer loving them. You're ready to what? Yeah, you're ready to kill them. Maybe not in a physical sense, although you might get great enjoyment out of that. But you feel the resentment, and it results. And it's, it's a really a pattern. Jealousy, hatred, murder. Jealousy, hatred, murder. Jealousy or resentment. 
coming forth in hatred where you really don't like that person. And murder. You know, getting back to the whole church thing again, this is the evidence of it. And this is why I say that not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. And when you think about the way that people are acting and the way that people are acting towards a brother and sister in Christ, you can see the pattern. Resentment, hatred, murder. Resentment, hatred, murder. And he's saying to us, that's the wrong expression. Don't be like Cain. Don't be like him. Why? Because when you get to verse 14 and 15, he says that it reflects the true nature of our faith. It reflects the true nature of our faith. It reflects whether or not you truly are a Christian or not. Because notice what he says, verse 14 to 15. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. How do you know you're saved? John's saying here, because you love the brethren. You love the guy that ticks you off. You love the guy that rubs you wrong. That's how you know you're saved. Is that that new life that's within you gives you a new heart and a new capacity now to deal with people that you're going to love them even in spite of who they are. That doesn't mean you're not going to get angry at them. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do something. Oh, that doesn't mean you're just going to sit there and say, oh, I'll just have to take it now. No, it just means that you'll look past it and love them. When you hear of that person in your life that you've got a problem and they, you hear that maybe they have some sort of tragedy in your life, how do you respond to it? Do you respond to it by saying, oh, well, they deserve that one. Or they had that one coming. Glad it was them. Can I be honest with you? What does that reflect? See, how we respond, how we love or don't love, reflects the true nature of our faith. It reflects it. For we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. We are called to a different standard. We're called to love all people, whether they have a different skin color, whether they dye their hair green, whether they dye it blue and green and purple and every other color they can find in the spectrum. We're called to love all people, whether they make $40,000 a year or whether they get welfare. Whether they vote Democrat or they vote Republican. The point is, is that we are called to love them all. Because when we don't love them, that actually reveals something about us. And what he says it reveals about us is maybe not what we want to hear. And that is that maybe we haven't passed from death unto life. Now notice the proper expression. Look at verse 16 through 18. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him, my little children? Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
three things I want you to see here. We understand love because of Jesus. We understand love because of Jesus. The only way that you understand how to love someone undeservingly... Oh, it's easy for us to understand sexual love. That's just natural. It's easy for us to understand brotherly or family love or friendship love. That, that comes natural. But for the kind of love that John's talking about here, the kind of love where you love someone even though they don't deserve it, the only way that you and I will understand that kind of love is because of Jesus. How do we understand that because of Jesus? Because that's the kind of love that Jesus showed us when he died on the cross for us. We didn't deserve it. We should have gone to hell. He should have just left us in our way. But no, He loved us. And that's the prime example to us. And so let me just say, it's more than just an example. If you, have, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, you have God Himself living within you, it can be expressed through your life towards others. He says, we know love because of what Jesus has done for us. And if you're struggling with loving someone right now, maybe you're harboring some feelings to another brother or sister in Jesus Christ because of something they've done, then maybe what you need to do right now is ask God to help you to love them. Say, Lord, I'm struggling. You're the one who showed me how to love. Show me how to love in this situation. We know love because of Jesus. Don't rest in your hatred. Don't rest in your resentment. Don't rest in your bitterness. We know love because of Jesus. We understand it. And then notice what the next point he makes here is that his love should motivate us to love sacrificially. His love should motivate us to love sacrificially. What's he saying there? Because of Jesus is showing us sacrificial love, he's saying that we ought to what? Lay down our very lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our very lives for the brethren. Notice what he says. He says it very plainly there in verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods, that is, whoever has the ability, the resources, whoever has the finances, whoever has the brain power, whatever it is, whoever has the world's goods, notice what he says, and sees his brother in need. Does he say this? Well, we should pray for him. Maybe there's a government program for him somehow that could work that out. Maybe we should pray that somebody comes along their path and... Helps them out. No. Notice what he says. And shuts up his heart. How does the love of God abide in him? It doesn't. See, the love of God, if it abides in you, you're going to want to do something to help. You're going to want to do something to help. That's called sacrificial. And when we think about what Jesus did for us, it should motivate us What? To love sacrificially for others. should motivate us. I think about the great story of Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He was studying medicine in London. And he was down to his last golden crown, his last little bit of money in his pocket. 
And that's what he was to live on. And so, in the middle of the night, he was called to the Irish Quarter, the Catholic Quarter of London, to go and help someone whose wife was dying. So he went over to the Irish Quarter there, to the house of this Irishman. And he knew the Irishman because this same Irishman had heckled and threw stones at him whenever he was trying to pass out tracts there to, to, to tell others about Jesus. But there he went into this shack of an apartment. The wife is laying on a pallet, no furniture. They have a couple of children. She's very sick. And he, as a medical student, is trying to help her. And the husband says that they have no money for no, no food and the kids are starving. Is there anything you can do to help me, sir? All the while in his hand, in his pocket, he has that gold crown. And he's playing with it. And he feels the Spirit of God tell him, give this man your gold crown. And so he argues in his mind with the Spirit of God and says, well, you know, I can't do that. If I give him my gold crown, who's going to take care of me? I've got to feed myself. And the Spirit of God says, this man has two children who need food. Give him your gold crown. Taylor gave him the gold crown. Told him what he needed to do with his wife to help her in her health condition. And then he left and went home to his house with no money but just the obedience to what God told him to do. The next morning he woke up. He didn't know how he was going to go throughout the day because he didn't have any food. The next morning there was a knock at the door and they said, oh, Mr. Taylor, there was an envelope left for you. Opening the envelope, he found more than enough money in the envelope to take care of his needs. He said he learned a powerful lesson you can never outgive God. You know, my friends, He calls us to love that. He says, because of what Jesus has done for us, it should motivate us to love sacrificially. Are you holding back on God? Has He laid someone on your heart this morning that He's called you to help? Love. Love sacrificially. Love. And then he goes on and he says this, Love is expressed in action, not words. Verse 18. Love is expressed in action, not words. We need more than words to experience love, don't we? And that's what he says. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is expressed in actions. Listen, don't just say, what's another way of saying it? Don't just say, I love Jesus. Really? Show it. You love Jesus? You love His body? We are His body. Show it. Words mean nothing. Words mean nothing. Show it in your life. Show that you love Him. By what? Loving each other. That's what he's saying. Three things I want you to consider. Number one, are you harboring resentment? Are you harboring resentment? Is there somebody here that did something to tick you off? Oh, it happened a few years ago. And you really don't remember all of the details, although you maybe have added to the details. 
But are you harboring resentment? Is, is, the thought of loving them is just like the furthest thing from your mind. Oh, you would love, you'd love the day that they don't exist anymore. But are you harboring resentment? Is it resentment towards a spouse? Reminds me of a story of a couple who was celebrating their 50th anniversary. When the festivities were over, the woman turned to her husband and says, We've been miserable for 50 years. We fought every day. We don't, we don't, we disagree on nearly everything. And I'm convinced that I can't keep going on like this. So I've made a commitment to pray to God that He'll help us resolve this problem. I'm praying that He'll take one of us home. And when He answers my prayers, I'm going to live with my sister in Grand Rapids. I say she's got a problem with resentment, doesn't she? Is that your same attitude? Are you harboring resentment? If you are, there's a problem. Maybe it's not a resentment towards a person. Are you resenting a group of people? What do you mean by that, George? Like, maybe you resent people who are on welfare. Maybe you resent people because of their skin color. Maybe you resent people because of their language. I'm going to be honest with you. That reflects something in your life, and you need to be aware of it. And I'll be honest with you, it's not pleasing to God. There is no verse that says, Thou shalt have a tood. Recognize it. Are you harboring resentment? If you are, there's an issue there. Then the next thing I want you to understand, the next question is this, Do you understand Jesus' love for you? Do you understand Jesus' love for you? See, if you are maybe harboring some resentment issues, I would say that maybe at the heart of it is that you don't understand the love that Jesus has for you. Do you understand the love He has for you? This is the kind of love that He has for you. He was willing to give up everything for you. He was willing to even go and die on the cross for you. He was willing to undergo the most heinous thing that ever happened to a human being for you. That's the kind of love that He has for you. Do you understand it? Talk about sacrificial love. Talk about undeserving love. Do you understand it? If we're honest with each other, if I'm honest with myself, I'd have to say no. But do you? And then the final thing is this. Let His love be expressed in your actions. You say, George, I... I don't know that I can love that person. Or, Lord George, I don't know that I can love that group of people. Then you need to ask God to help you to love them. Here, I found this to be very true in my life, that when I start developing an attitude towards someone, I find that when I start praying for them, and I'm not talking the zap you prayers, like, Lord, zap them, you know. No, no, you know, when you start genuinely praying for the person that you've got a problem with, I find that he changes me to the point where I can start genuinely loving them. So let his love be expressed in your actions. Let it be expressed. And if you need help, cry out to him and say, Lord, I know you want me to love him, but I just don't feel like it. I need you to help me. See, that is the measure, that is the mark of genuine faith, is love. 
loving people who don't deserve it. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.